leftovers, or the DMV, or house cleaning, or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leftovers. Or the DMV. Number 97. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Jason Douglas from Three Guys Talking, and you're listening to the 4D Podcast Network. Welcome to Hard Day Diaries, the show about the times in our lives when we were at our low points and how we got through them. I'm your host, Andy Matfield. Today's episode is My Worst Year with Casey Flesh. My name is Casey Flesh, and I am going to be talking about the year 2013, which was pretty tough. It started, I moved to Colorado in May of 2012, and then my first time coming back home was uh, for Christmas in 2012. When I came back home, we went up to Duluth for some family stuff, and my dad got super sick and ended up going into the hospital up there and we and it turned out he had a blood infection so they weren't going to let him leave and he owns a uh, a metal shop down here in the city so mm-hmm. i had to come back down to the city and like take care of a few things for that for the metal shop while my dad was uh in the hospital up in Duluth so like i came home to visit family from while well, i was living in Colorado and ended up saying like I think four days just by myself anyway. So like running a metal shop. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, I wasn't like running it or anything. Let's not get carried away. But yeah, it was like just like kind of doing a little things here and there, but like wasn't visiting my family like I was supposed to be. And so uh, after uh, a few days later, like, you know, they figured out what was wrong with my dad and everything and sent him home. And my family came home like 10 seconds after they walk in the door. My mom sits down next to me and goes, well, your grandma died. I'm like, what? Like, it wasn't, like, super unexpected. I mean, she was, like, really old. So, like, you know, you know how it goes. But, like, I was, like, not prepared for that at all. And so it just was, like, what the hell? Like, this crazy. Like, my dad was sick and, like, nobody knew what he was going to knew what was wrong for a while and then like so like I wasn't sure what was gonna happen and then I thought I was in the clear and then it's just like nope your grandma's dead now like okay the old switcheroo sweet yeah the old like hey everything's cool not never mind just kidding so that was like the start of 2013 then and then like May I had an uncle who was sick and uh, he ended up dying in May he died from hepatitis C he was like in a an assisted living place and I think he realized he wasn't gonna be able to get out ever so kind of gave up 
And uh, so I had to come back here for another funeral, which is, you know, the best way to be traveling is for funerals. Uh, and then in June, so that was in May. So then in June, uh, another friend of mine had died. Uh, somebody I hadn't seen in a in quite some time, but like, you know, it's still jarring when mm-hmm. a friend dies like that. He was like my age, so that was a little crazy. Uh, and then in September, my cousin, like the the one cousin in your family, who's like the crazy guy you know like the invincible one like he ended up uh being killed in an atv accident over like a weekend in september and like that was crazy because he was like you know like 37 and like had a couple of kids and just like everything like going right like everyone loved him and then you know he just one thing happens and he's not around anymore and it's just kind of crazy like you never know what's going to happen and uh everything like <clears throat> my um uh, I was having a tough time in Colorado anyway like mm-hmm. just being I didn't have much money I didn't have many yeah. friends and stuff like that and so I was actually uh I was uh, starting to talk to doctors and stuff about mental health and then like 2 weeks after I started that is when my cousin died and so I was like on these new meds and everything and in uh October I was on meds for like three weeks and then uh one just one random Saturday at the end of October I uh I woke up and decided that today was the day that I was gonna kill myself like it was just like I wasn't particularly upset about anything I was just like I woke up I'm like well we've had a good run let's call it a day you know and this like, seems just as good a day as any yeah it was like I I'm still not sure like what really triggered it but you know, like I, I ended up. I was, uh, I was seeing this girl at the time, and I was like texting with her a little bit about like things that were going on and how mm-hmm. I was feeling. And uh, she ended up calling a little bit into what was happening and everything. And uh, she could hear something was like different in my voice, I guess. And she ended up yeah. calling the cops. And you know, like twenty minutes later, the cops show up and. Uh, they took me into the hospital and everything. And the weird thing is, is like by the time the cops showed up in my apartment, like I was already like I was on the way back down. Like, yeah, I don't know what had happened. Like I was talking with her for a little bit and, you know, maybe I just had to get something out or whatever. But mm-hmm. like I already like knew that I was going to be fine. Yeah. But in this situation, you know, they like legally have to take you in yeah isn't it like 72 hours or something like that yeah and it's like there was nothing i could do to like get out of that and so uh they took me in for 72 hours which (laughs) i actually tried to do a joke about this but it was daylight savings time so it was actually 73 hours (laughs) it's just like one extra hour like slapped on it was just ridiculous like it was so stupid i spent the three days in the hospital, just kind of like not feeling like I belonged in there. And so it was just kind of weird. Like I did what they asked mm-hmm. just to like get out of it. Cause like I, like I didn't feel right in there. It didn't, it wasn't very specifically very helpful or anything. It was just kind of like, I have to do this to get out of this like building. You yeah. Know? You were going through the motion. Yeah. It's, yeah. It didn't matter. And, uh, 
like, you know, everything turned out fine. Like I got out of there. I went to a couple of psychiatrist appointments. They gave me, uh, they gave me meds and everything to take. And, uh, like I didn't, I was like required to do like two psychiatrist appointments after they let me out or whatever. And, uh, I, that's all I did is like, I only did those two. I stayed on the meds for like three months or so. And then like realized they weren't changing anything. So I just yeah. kind of like cut my dosage down until I was like out of pills. Never took them again. So now like, we're what? Four years. Yeah. Like four yeah. years. We just finished 2017. So like four years later, like, you know, like things were tough in Colorado for a while and then I had to move back here mm -hmm. and then like obviously I started comedy and things are a lot different now, you know, but like it was like 2013, you know, I lost like my dad was really sick. I lost my grandma. I lost my uncle. Yeah, I lost four friend. people. Yeah, I lost my cousin. And then at the end of it, the girl I was dating who helped me, who called the cops for me, mm -hmm. uh, she broke up with me like at Christmas at the end of 2013 too, so... It was a, yeah, it was a tough year, but, you know, and then I just kind of sat in Colorado for like another year, just not really doing anything, just like going to work and then paying my bills and that was about it. That's all I could do. That's all I had money for really. But So when you hit your lowest low, it sounds like it was in October, do you remember feeling like that was ever going to be something that you were going to hit or did you think this is just all part of the process honestly i th i think my lowest low in that point was just like i um i felt so guilty about everything like i have this part of whatever's wrong with me like in my head is like when something bad happens to somebody that I care about, like all I wish is that it were to like happen to me instead, you know, like so you get survivor's guilt, I guess you could call it that. But like, I, you know, like I didn't, I don't know. Like I, I wasn't like at the scene when my cousin crashed, you know, like, so like, I, you know, I don't know if I'm a survivor of that or whatever, yeah. but like, if you want to take it literally, but like, yeah, I just like would much rather have bad things happen to me. Cause like, I don't like seeing people I care about upset at all. Mm -hmm. And so like whenever something happens, like I would just want to take that away somehow. And so like, I always, I've just felt so like all of my family's like pain and uh, being upset from my cousin dying. Like mm -hmm. I took it all like inside like my head and it just sat there and just swirled around. And like, you know, I felt guilty cause like, my cousin is gone now and he had a wife and he had two kids and like a future and like I'm just some idiot kid in an apartment in Denver and like you know like it could have been me and like nobody really would have been that affected you know like my family would have been sad sure but like I don't have kids that I was supposed mm -hmm. to raise you know like it, and so I just felt like why couldn't it have been me and then, like, everything just swirled and exploded into, I guess, like, uh, what, I, what I actually found out is uh, one of my doctors told me that the meds I was taking didn't necessarily stop, like, the suicidal thoughts, but they took away the thing in my brain that, like, filters that says I, sh I shouldn't do it. The survival instinct? Yeah, so it, like, 
like when I said I woke up and I just like, today's the day. Like I wasn't thinking about it that whole week or anything. It was just like, all right, go for it. You know, like he was like making it like making a decision between like chocolate or vanilla to me. Like, honestly, it was just like, I'll go vanilla today. You know, like, and I, I think that was part of the meds that I was on. Like they, they took that little filter out and then just honestly, just like being alone for so long like you know I didn't have many friends and the friends I did have were like 45 minutes away so I couldn't drive like I couldn't afford gas to get there and all that stuff so it was just real lonely out there and just my thoughts swirled and were uh, like impossible to control at, at some points but I don't know it's like weird and tough but like some days some days it's easy and mm-hmm. like it's like nothing can go wrong, and then other days you never know what's gonna happen. Like it's just it can it can flash out of nowhere and just be terrible. Like it's kind of scary. So what made you think uh, I need to make a change? I need to get out of Denver and get back to Minnesota. What what was that moment? Oh, it wasn't a, a choice for me. I had a the car I had out there. The engine blew up, and like I had no money to fix it. I had no money to do anything. I lived like 25 miles away from my job, so I couldn't like walk or bike or anything. So I really had no choice but to just come back home. And I was like three months shy of turning 30 and I was moving back into my parents' basement. Like, you know, like if you want to talk about like a low point, like sure, when I thought I was going to kill myself, that's a pretty low point. But like honestly, moving back home like a year after that, I think I probably felt worse at that point. You know, it was just, I wasn't, I knew like not to harm myself or whatever. Mm-hmm. I knew I was going to be able to move forward without that. But, you know, had I been on those pills or something again, that took that filter out, who knows what would have happened. But So you felt like that was kind of, that was the moment where everything had just kind of needed to go up because now you're back home. What what was the thought process once you got home? Did you set in goals of how you're going to get back on your feet? Well, I first, you know, like, first thing I wanted to do was uh, save up enough money for a car. You know, I worked, I started working again at my dad's metal shop. And uh, I just worked there and then until I could buy a car. And then once I bought the car, I heard, I heard somebody on the radio talking about trying stand-up comedy. And then, like... They were like, yeah, you can just go down to Acme and sign up. And I was like, it's that easy, <laughs> you know? And so yeah. then that, like, once I realized and found and tried comedy, that's when I was like, okay, we can go up from here. Like, there's something, like, there's a purpose, you know? Like, because until then, moving home from Denver, like, again, just going through the motions. Like, I didn't care about anything at all. Like, it sucked. I didn't want to be living at home. It was hard to have a a purpose in that. Yeah, you felt crushed. Yeah. And now you have this this goal. You you see something that you've wanted and someone just says, yeah, it's easy. Just go do it. Yeah, I mean, it was like, I don't know. It was just one of those things where like I I wrote for a while. Like I wrote, I'd written jokes in like 2010. You know, like I had them. I just found them in an old notebook like not too long ago actually like it always had like an idea of trying to make people laugh somehow and then yeah once I found out that you can just go 
sign up and just do it. Like I just kind of went for it. And then that instant I stepped off stage is when I felt like continuing on, you know, I guess like, yeah, like there's a reason to keep going. You have drive now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, as far as like helping mental health or anything like that, I can't, I can't tell anybody who, who else is like, dealing with this stuff just try stand up it'll do great for you you know like it's because everybody has their own thing but like I just like you know like I moved home and I was about to turn 30 and I, I turned 30 and then I tried stand up and it was just like for the first 30 years I just like I I never felt like important I guess like I've always yeah. felt like less like, than yeah like under the radar type things and I mean nothing really has changed but like now I have something that I care about I always struggled to I guess care about things in like school or sports or whatever was going on like nothing ever just really felt like it was gonna make that much of a difference nothing and, felt like a home to you right and it like and that's part of I think the depression and everything is like you know I'm I tell people who, when I'm talking about stuff like this, is like, like I've been, I remember just feeling sad, like all the time, like my whole life, like mm -hmm. as a kid, just feeling down for no reason. And it's, it's confusing, you know, cause like you come home from school and you're just watching TV and then all of a sudden you're just sad. Like something on TV <laughs> makes you think of something else that makes you feel really sad and you can't explain that to people like there's nothing like oh yeah seeing that guy's pink shirt reminded me of the pink shirt I wore three weeks ago and then somebody told me that it looked dumb you know <laughs> like yeah. you can't explain that to people like yeah this is what makes me sad they'll look at you like you're an idiot but <laughs> I, I get similar things where my brain will run through a scenario that happens yeah. And then I'll be like, ah, oh, what did I do? What what thing did I do so that people would target me? Yeah, exactly. It's always such a dumb thing, too. It's like, oh, I said this word. I could have said this. And right. then they'd have been like, you're the hero. And then lifted me up on their shoulders and carried me out. Of course. Yeah, I, I, I totally relate to that. It sucks. Yeah, it's, you know, depression is crazy. Yeah, if you don't have it, you don't get it. And that's, I think, one of the harder things is for people that don't have it to try to relate to people that do. Because they're like, my dog died once. I was sad. Yeah, well, my dog didn't, and I was sad. Right. Yeah. You know, like, it's, everybody's different, you know, and, like, like my depression is different than anybody else's. And, like, it's so hard to be there for somebody because everybody needs something different, you mm -hmm. know? Like, if I reach out for help, I just want... Like what I would be looking for in return is to somebody to just like make me feel like I'm being heard, you know, like, yeah, just, just listen for a little while that you're and, valid. Yeah. And like, if, I, if somebody comes to me for advice, like it depends on who it is, but like, I have a friend who I like to tell him that, like, I, I compliment him. I, I say things like how oh, he's got this, you know, like I, I know that what he needs is somebody to just push him a little bit like it's no yeah. problem you got this you're great and but then I have another friend who like all she's looking for is somebody to be like that really sucks and it's it's so hard because you don't know what each person mm -hmm. needs and so you end up like making a lot of you end up like making a lot of mistakes 
getting to know people and like that's where a lot of that frustration comes from as someone with depression is like you reach out to somebody looking for a specific thing and you don't get that back and it makes it worse yeah because you don't know how to reciprocate it or you don't know how to tell people what you need you just know you need something right yeah it's this it's hard and like a lot of people with with depression talk about people not being able to understand and it's true but it's also like impossible you have to give people a, a chance to help you and like be able you have to like show them what mm. you need in a way you know yeah. you th- like one of my biggest problems is expectations of people i feel let down by a lot of people mm-hmm. because they don't react to things the way i would and then i have to constantly remind myself that they're a completely different person that's really tough yeah it sucks like it it causes a lot of problems in my life i mean even from like the writing perspective of comedy if you're like ah this joke is gonna hit right here and yeah. it doesn't and it hits in a different spot you're like what right no that's not the, the funny part was here why did you laugh at this spot <laughs> right. here but then the next show you go back and they laugh at what you thought they were and not what the other car- crowd laughed at it's yeah. And then you're like, haha, these are my people. Right. <laughs> Every everything is different. Every person is different. And I think the best way to help people is to just listen to what they want. A lot of times like people will like treat others how they want to be treated. So like, you know, my my friend who I keep telling him like I have to push him forward and motivate him. That's what he does if I'm talking about something that's upsetting me. He's like, You're great. Go you know, and that doesn't do much for me personally but like when i return that to him then i can tell that it really helps yeah but it also helps him too because then he feels like he's doing you a favor right so you're kind of in that weird uh well that's not what i need but i appreciate that you're trying of course in the way that you know how yeah and it's easier like i'm getting better at appreciating that fact instead of you know expecting something out of him and then not getting it I, I look at it as a bigger picture of he's doing what he thinks will help or what he yeah. knows how to do to help. And yeah. and that makes things a lot easier to deal with. You just think about it from the other perspective for a little bit. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that people don't live in your brain. You do. Right. You live there. Yeah. And sometimes you got to let people in, let them know what the house looks like. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I started therapy last September and I've been going uh, for however many months it is now four or five or whatever and uh, it's actually helped quite a bit like it's like people I've talked to some people who are like afraid to try because they don't know what to expect and like honestly I didn't know what to expect when I tried it started going either but it's it's like it's an hour to talk about me without having to worry about dominating the conversation or, you know, if they're listening or like having to hear about their day, you know, like not that that's an issue talking with friends, but it's nice to just be open and just talk for a while. Unencumbered by conversation. Right. Yeah. Like there's no expectation of me to, to like help her with a problem, my therapist with one of her problems because well, first of all, I'm paying her. But second of all, like, <laughs> that's what she's there for. 
And so once it like it was awkward at first a little bit, like I didn't I don't like talking about myself. But now that I'm getting better and getting used to like, that's what that's for. Therapy is actually really helpful. What's the what's the best thing that you've learned? I would say the best thing I've learned would be to be more open, to be more like open to other people's perspectives and things like it's really helped me to realize that I do have these expectations of people and when they fall short I take it personally sometimes and and my therapist has helped me to take a step back in those moments and not get so upset and to just relax a little bit you know like get things out you know once a week I can just vent and it's really just helped me to just slow down yeah you don't take it as an attack now yeah no you're just no this is just a normal conversation someone's sharing with me right right yeah yeah the i would say like the the thing i learned the most is to just just like chill out you know like just relax not not everybody's trying to personally attack me not you know just because somebody else got picked for this and i didn't doesn't mean that i'm bad like it means that's not for me you know it's there's other opportunities right it's not everything is the end of the world like i mean the end of the world's gonna happen pretty soon but like (laughs) you know if my playstation doesn't turn on i'm gonna be okay you know like it's everything is fine like let's just relax a little bit that's awesome that's a very good lesson yeah it's, it's uh it's helped out quite a bit fantastic man well i think how do you feel? You feel good? Yeah, I feel pretty good. All right. How do you feel? Is that, is I feel that good. good. Enough? Yeah, I think we got a good uh, conscious stream. I thought there would be more jokes. Yeah, this uh, this one definitely is not too jokey. Oh shit! No, I got it. Okay. Well, all right. Ready? All right. Have you heard about? Okay, no, we're done. Okay, I was gonna say we could throw something on at the after. I got a new tag, but I'll try it later. I'm gonna sure. do a Sunday show. You'll try it on a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, Ben. I'm uh, calling Marin. Thanks for listening to Hard Day Diaries, My Worst Year. Thank you to Casey Flesh for sharing with us. If you want to know more about Casey, you can find him on www.caseyflesh.com or Twitter and Instagram at Casey Flesh. You can find me at www.andymatfield.com as well as Twitter and Instagram at Matt Failed. Thank you for all the support, and as always, tell me your hard days. <laughs>